0: How do you get more software on Slackware? That's the question. Slackware ships with a set of applications that it supports, meaning that those applications were compiled from source code by the maintainer of Slackware and are considered essentially a part of the Slackware distribution. Now, historically, that was the expectation of an operating system, or at least certainly a Linux operating system. When you would, when you would get a distribution, you also got a, a sort of a, a starter set of software, and there wasn't that much open source software out there in the first place. I mean, there was quite a lot. I mean, it's been going on since the 80s, but but there's more now, and and so the the maintainers of the distribution of of Linux were able to look at what the options were for a graphic editor and an office suite and and a web browser and so on, and and gather them onto the, the operating system that they were building and distribute those along with the OS. And it was pretty reasonable to expect that that would be a, a really good starting place for you. And to this day, I think Slackware sort of follows in that tradition quite well, and really crams in a lot of great software into its its single disc-sized distribution. When I say disc, of course, I mean if we're pretending that you're going to burn it to a DVD or, or a thumb drive, it would fit on that media, a- and it will be a manageable size for you to download given various internet speeds and, and so on. However, Today, we have a lot of open source software out there. It's everywhere. It's just, it's being created in droves. So 20 years ago, if you'd asked for a recommendation of a graphic editor for uh, a photo editor for Linux, the answer would have been GIMP. Today, you're likely to hear a lot more suggestions, something like GIMP and Krita and Darktable and Lightzone and GwynView and Fspot, all kinds of different applications. So we have a lot of choice these days in open source. And so there's not necessarily the expectation that the starter set you download when installing your operating system is the same set of software you're actually going to use on a day-to-day basis. Now, it could be, but if you want to look around, try out different applications, you have the ability to do that. On Slackware, just as with any any other Linux distribution, the question, of course, is, What's the easiest way to get that done? Well, slackbuilds.org is one easy way to get that done. I talk about other ways in my special episode on Slackware, uh, entitled So You Want to Try Slackware. It's episode 01, and it's uh, at the bottom of the RSS feed, or Atom feed, or the top of the webpage, gnuworldorder.info. So I'm going to skip over everything that I've already talked about and just talk about Slack Builds specifically. Slack Builds is a file format, or Slack Build, singular, is a file format. And when I say it's a file format, it's really, it's not. It's just a text file. But by naming a file foo.slackbuild, you are broadcasting to the user that that file is a shell script that will look at an archive of source code, build that archive of source code, and create a slack package containing the compiled software. That's what a slack build does. It unarchives, compiles, and then Wraps everything, wraps up the results into a Slack package, a Slackware package. A Slackware package is not a fancy format. It is just a tar archive that contains a miniaturized version of your Slackware file system. It only includes the parts that it needs. So, in other words, if you've got a Slack package, that wants to install something to user man man one, then you'll know in that pack in, in the package uh in the tarball that is the Slackware package, you're going to find a user slash man slash man one directory, and in that directory, and in those at the end of that directory path, there will be whatever it needs to install, probably a man page, in user man man one. And if that's all it's going to install, then that's all it that's all that would be in that package. Now when you unarchive that package on top of your Slackware system, the package, the way that tar works is that it will auto-detect you already have a slash USR. So it won't create that, obviously, but it'll go into it to create a man directory so it would auto detect that you already have a man directory so it won't create that and then it auto detects within man you have a man one directory so it won't create that and then in man one it it will notice that you don't have a foo.man.gz or, or whatever you're installing and so it would it would then install that file on your system and now you've just installed a slackware package that's how that works But for all that to happen, to get to the Slackware package stage, you can use a Slack build. And Slack builds are a beautiful and elegant system for package creation, and I'll tell you why. It's because if you as a user have figured out how to build software from source code, and you're able to do that successfully on your Slackware system, then you can write a Slack build. Whether or not you've figured that out, you can run a Slack build on your system. So it empowers both users and uh, future developers or future package maintainers to both run and write their own package recipes. And then they can share with the rest of the community that recipe. And once again, you're just sharing the recipe. So if you've figured out how to install example dash one dot two dot three, you can just put the recipe online and other people can download the recipe. They'll they'll go download the example dash one dot two dot three source code themselves, but they've got your recipe which they can run next to the archive the source code archive that they've downloaded. And they'll end up with the exact same result as you got and the reason that works is because there's consistency on slackware there's an expectation that when you run a slack build script that you have a full install of slackware now it probably admittedly doesn't really matter whether you have i don't know Caligra installed or something like that but but there is the expectation that you have all the important libraries and header files and things like that installed so, that the package that you're about to compile with this recipe, when it expects to find lib foo on the system, it does indeed find lib foo or, or whatever. So, consistency in Slackware enables Slack builds to comfortably exist and to be shared among other Slackware users. And the place that they get shared among other Slackware users often happens to be slackbuilds.org. Slackbuilds.org is the it is it is unofficially the official extras repository for for Slackware, and and even that unofficial designation is a little bit questionable because Pat Volkerding, the maintainer, the founder and maintainer of Slackware, has has publicly said on LinuxQuestions.org that that Slackbuilds is is essentially the official extras repository insofar as there's such a thing as official and unofficial. So slackbuilds.org is a very popular, well-known, well-respected website that has recipes to build and package up open source software. And there's lots and lots of recipes on there. You can find all kinds of applications there. And the, the most unique thing about it, once again, is that it is just the recipes. Now, the recipe, admittedly, sometimes consists of about four or five different files. There's the Slack build itself. There's a readme file, just so that you know what you're about to get yourself into. There's a .info file, so that you know where to find the source code. So if someone releases a recipe for example 1.2.3, and you'd never heard of example 1.2.3, you can just look in the .info file and and find the exact link you need to put into your web browser or or put into wget or curl so that you can download the the, the code to compile. There's a file called slack dash desk as in description, which gives a brief description of the package for just for record keeping and there's usually often like a doinst.sh a doinstall.sh and this um runs maybe some cleanup activity or some setup activity after the package has been installed uh and then sometimes there are patches so if 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 you find that you've been able to compile some software for slackware but you you had to go in and maybe make an adjustment to the source code for some reason, or 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 you wanted to to add a a, a, de- a dot desktop file because this particular application didn't think to provide one or, or something. Then you can you can patch that stuff in as part of the recipe. So this is all bundled together in a in a Slack build package that you can download you open it up there's all the information you need all you really have to do once you've done that you down you go to slackbuilds.org might as well do it myself slackbuilds.org and then you can search for some software let's say lmms there's 15.0 audio lmms version 1.2.2 it gives me a little description and it shows me the homepage it tells me where i can get the source code and then it says, download Slack build. And, it, and the Slack build is just called lmms.tar.gz. So I'll download that to my downloads directory. And then if I go into, if I open up Dolphin here, I'll go to my downloads directory, find the lmms. There it is. Right click, extract archive here that extracts to a directory just called LMMS. If I go into that directory, just as I said, there's a doinst.sh, there's an lmms.info, lmms.slackbuild, readme, and slack-desc. The readme file is interesting. You open that up and it tells you what LMMS is. And at the bottom here, it says Jack and Fluid Sound Font are optional but highly recommended. And then libgig, Carla, STK, and PortAudio are optional dependencies. Okay, well that's important information, because uh, Slack builds, a, a Slack build a, a, is a recipe. I could run the Slack build, but that doesn't mean it's going to install Jack and Fluid Sound Font and LibGig and Carla and STK and PortAudio and so on. Then if I go into uh, this .info file. I see that it does give me the full link to the source code. So I could copy that to my clipboard. I'll need that in a moment. And then there's this line called requires. Requires equals fltk and stk. So this is telling me, uh, which is actually contradicting what the readme says technically, because the readme says that stk is an optional dependency this says that it's a required dependency i don't know which is right off the top of my head i think actually it is technically optional but either way like optional to me half the time says required so the the point is that i need to before i install lmms i need to resolve these dependencies i need to install stk i need to install fltk So in that case, I would go back to slackbuilds.org, do a search for STK. So this is a synthesis toolkit in C++. Yeah, this sounds useful for LMMS. And it's giving me a couple of different options to, to choose from during the compile. It says that I could use audio API equals ALSA or audio API equals JACK and so on. So then I would want to, ins- I would download that Slack build, save it to my downloads directory and repeat the process essentially until I get to a point where I know that there are no further required components. So I'm looking at this stk.info file now and there are no requires listed here. So I could, I can go into stk download the source code for STK, which I've just done and run the script. And the way that I would run the script, of course, is I would do a sudo sh, well, sudo space sh space dot slash STK dot Slack build tab and hit return. And that detects that I have the source code there in the same directory. And it unarchives it. Of course, I won't... I mean, you'll see the output. You won't necessarily see a whole lot of activity in the in the file manager because it all happens in slash TMP, sort of out, out of sight, out of mind. And when it's finished compiling, it places the resulting package. So the resulting package has everything that you need out of stk it's got the binaries or the libraries or whatever it includes the documentation the header files everything that stk r- gives you after you compile the source code into runnable code machine code it dumps that into a tarball called stk dash i have to look 4.4.4 4. 4, i think stk 4.4.4 4. 4 dash x86 underscore 64 dash two, in this case, underscore sbo, dot tar dot, or dot tgz. So that's the, that's a Slackware package. So I can install that with sudo install pkg. And then the path just slash TMP slash SDK dash, I'll just do an asterisk tgz because i know that that's what it ends in um and that causes slackware it invokes slackware's install pkg command to take that package record what was in it run the doinst.sh and copy all the files to the hard drive not necessarily in that order and that's you've now installed stk The advantage here, I know that seemed like a lot of steps, the advantage here is that you don't have to think about how that all happened. You didn't have to figure out how to compile STK. Now, for all I know, I haven't looked at STK source code in a while, but for all I know, it's really simple. You go in, maybe you do a CMake, uh, well, maybe you do a make dir build cd build cmake dot dot, and maybe some some options like dash dcmake underscore uh what would it be prefix or something like that equals slash usr uh and then you'd probably want to do a dash DC make underscore libdir equals u slash usr slash lib64 and so on so all of that stuff all the configuring that you would have to normally do to get this sort of compliant as it were for slackware you don't have to do someone's already done that in this recipe script the slack build script and so you don't have to give it a second thought, which is quite nice. It's really, really convenient. But there are a lot of steps, as you could hear, and there are ways to cut down on those steps. Specifically, there are front-ends to slackbuilds.org. One is called SLPKG, and the other is called SBOPKG, and there are yet more that I probably haven't heard about as I record this right now. And as I discover them and try them myself, I'll likely do episodes about them. But for now, I'm going to focus just on the Slack build file itself. I do feel like it's pretty important to become familiar with the Slack build file and the concept of a Slack build, because the front ends that you may end up using, I think most most of us, or, or many of us Slackware users, use a front end. Those Those tools that you end up using... They do tend to separate you from the awareness of what the Slack Build file format is. And while that's part of the convenience, it, it, can, be, it, it can actually weaken the strength of a Slack Build script, because part of the process is the ease of which you have uh, the ease by which you may customize the code that you're about to install. You might not think that you'll ever need to customize something that you're going to install, because to you, you might think, well, I don't know what any of that means anyway, so what am I going to customize? And yet, if you look at the readme file of LMMS, you'll recall when we when we looked at that, it, it told us about some options that would be auto-detected by the recipe, by the Slack build, as long as we have them installed. So Jack and Fluid Sound Font, for instance, optional but highly recommended. Well, instead of installing LMMS first, let's install Jack and Fluid Sound Font first. And it says libgig could also be used, and STK, well we did that, and port audio. So let's do those. So that's not really customizing the code, but it is having an awareness that there are extra options that are available to you as long as you do a little bit of reading. And, and a lot of the the software packages, or the front-ends rather, they, they don't have the ability, well, none of the front-ends as far as I know have the ability really to parse the README file for optional or recommended settings. They parse the .info file, but they're not parsing the README for notes from the from the author of that recipe to tell you casually about other options that you might want to consider so just for that getting getting familiar with the infrastructure of a slack build is important now i do want to point out before i continue that not all slack builds come from slack build slackbuilds.org slackbuilds.org is just the the uh, the very popular community repository of a lot of slack builds but you can actually find slack builds elsewhere heck you can actually even find the original slack build files that pat Voltrading uses to build slackware if you go to for instance uh, a mirror of 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 slackware i use ftp osuosl.org slash pub slash slackware slash slackware 64 15.0. You'll notice that there's a directory called source. If I click on that, there's the old familiar software set, set up. And let's go to E because that's rather focused. There's an Emacs directory there, so I'll go into that. And here's the emacs.slack build. This is the Slack build that Pat uses to build Emacs every time he releases a new Slackware. And you'll notice that the structure, while similar to what you'll see on slackbuilds.org, is a little bit unique. And actually, I'm going to have to correct myself here. It's not written by Patrick Volkerding. Volkerding. It is written by um, Stefano... Stefanovich and the uh modified by uh Robbie workman and then modified by volruding so um that's just neither here nor there but it's it's accuracy okay so it's it's similar to two other slack builds that you'll see but it's it's a little bit different for instance it um it doesn't it doesn't have a hard coded version that seems rather significant, actually. Um, that's that's, a, that's pretty flexible, and uh, makes sense for someone who, who needs to build and rebuild a distribution probably very frequently. So the it, it auto detects the version that you uh, of Emacs that you have dumped into the the directory into the same directory as it. It auto detects the architecture, which is um, pretty standard. It sets some um, compile time flags and and then does a bunch of configuration for the compiling of Emacs. So in other words, don't assume that just because something ends in .slack build, there's any kind of guarantee that it adheres to a, a specific, well, a specification. There is no, as far as I know, there is no slack build specification. Maybe there ought to be, I don't know, but there isn't. It it is It is more a convention. It is a thing that people have agreed upon that when they end a file in dot slack build it is going to unarchive compile and then run a a make pkg command to render a a built slackware package ready for install for a specific architecture those are the requirements of dot slack build or rather those are the expectations of a dot Slack build because really all the Slack build is, is a shell script. And that means that we could write one ourselves pretty easily for whatever we wanted to write one for really. So let's just do a quick Slack build file for a, an imaginary hello world application, which we'll call hello world dot slack build. So I'm just opening up a file literally called hello world dot slack build. And again, the convention is that it is dot capital S L A C K capital B U I L D. So slack build. And uh, traditionally you start a shell script with shebang just, uh, so that's hash, exclamation mark, forward slash bin, slash sh. Now, the specifics of a Slack build, as I say, are are rather fuzzy. So, you know, ideally, it's it's a minimal script. So if you don't need to auto-detect, for instance, the architecture that you're building for... Then you don't put that in there. You don't put it in the build script. But w- what usually happens is that you set you set some variables, and that seems to be a, a pretty common convention. Because if you set a variable at the top of the script, then throughout the script, as you write it, you can always refer back to that variable. And should that ever change, someone can change it at the variable setting, and not have to go through your entire script and catch all the different instances of it. So in this case, we're going to say that the package name or pkgnam, package nam equals hello world, all one string. The build number I'm going to set to one. So that's build equals one. and the version i'm going to set to 1.0.0 Now the next thing that people generally do is create sort of a little bit of a build infrastructure and the the build infrastructure can be quite simple and in slack case you you'll you'll find that they have something preset they have a location in slash temp that they use for all of their builds pat doesn't use that in his um, in the the example that i'm looking at the emacs one but that's fine it it all sort of it all sort of shakes out to be essentially the same thing so first i'm going to say that a variable called tmp equals slash temp and that the pkg variable pkg is going to be it's going to equal $tmp, so wherever our temp directory is, which we happen to know is slash temp because we just set it. But if someone wanted to change that, then they could change it and it would ripple through the rest of the script. Slash package, the literal string package, P-A-K-P-A-C-K-A-G-E dash dollar sign package name or package nam. So what that means is that as we, as this, when this recipe is run, it's going to create, well, we're going to create later um, in the script, a location in slash TMP called package world. And we'll always know that that location holds the temporary files, all the, all the things that we need to put somewhere while we're building the package. So that's an important component of Slack Builds, is that it, it shuffles all of the complex stuff out of your working directory into a safe temporary location. Okay. So, part of making sure you have a clean build environment is making sure you have a clean build environment. And the way that you can do that is rm space -rf space $sign pkg. So, you're telling the slack build to remove the files, the, the temporary build files, that may or may not exist. If they don't exist, that's fine. Well, it, it, this line sort of gets... It, it technically errors, you know, it renders an error and continues. So that's fine. If it does exist, though, that means that someone has started building this package and at some point either stopped it in the middle or maybe it failed because they'd had something set wrong either way it's in it's in an unknown state and so we want to get rid of it so that's the first step is to get rid of the stuff that may already exist then we can safely mkdir make dir dash p so we're doing we're going to make a directory including all the parent directories leading up to it as required dollar sign tmp and dollar sign pkg At that point, you can cd into $tmp, so you're going to your temporary location. And once again, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we have a clean building environment here. And we're gonna remove -rf $pkgnam the pa- package name $version. Now again, that may not actually exist yet. That's the 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 weird thing about scripting this stuff is. You're accounting for for situations that may or may not exist. So if this is the first time we've ever run this recipe, there's nothing to remove. But if this is the second or third or tenth time we've run this recipe, there might be old versions or or old stashes of that package name, of of the source code that we've unarchived into our temporary location. And just to make sure that we're dealing with a clean start, we're getting rid of it if it exists. It would probably technically be cleaner to check whether or not it exists before removing it. But I think the reality is it's not going to matter. And so we might as well just remove it if it exists. Or rather, we'll remove it. If it does not exist, then nothing gets removed. Okay, that's the kind of the setup section. You could even maybe label it sort of setup. And now here's the actual thing. This is where things actually happen. So first, this is the compile stage, uh, arguably. I mean, the the boundaries are a little bit fuzzy. Uh, So first we're going to do a tar xvf. So that's dash dash extract, dash dash verbose, dash dash file, dollar sign cwd, which we have not set yet. Okay, I'm going back up to the top. I'm going to I'm going to create a CWD variable which is set to dollar sign parentheses PWD close parentheses. What does that do? Well, that takes a snapshot, if you will, of your current working directory. PWD is print working directory. So that's where you are right now, your current working directory, when you launch the script. Now the assumption is, in a Slack build, the convention, the assumption is that in your current directory when you're launching the slack build script in that same location there is an archive containing the source code that you want to compile now if that's not true then then the user is is in error the user has not set up their environment correctly but that's the assumption so cwd is always going to point to the location from which this Slack build was launched. And the assumption is that in that same location, there is a package with the package nam of hello world and the version string of version equals 1.0.0. In, in this obviously particular case, because that's what package nam and version are set to. Okay, so go back down to my compile section. So I'm tarring or i'm 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 running tar dash dash extract dash dash verbose dash dash file dollar sign c w d slash dollar sign package nam dash dollar sign version dot tar dot what do we want to use um what's what's easy let's do x z or or so pipe pipe that's the or um code in bash or in shell script and then exit one in other words if we can't find a tar ball at in in the current directory in the dollar sign cwd if there if the if the user has forgotten to include the source code then we are going to exit because we we can't continue in that case so there's no point in running any code beyond this point and then next we're going to go into uh the source code. So cd $pkgnam-$version or or exit 1. Now here's the tricky bit to remember. This is happening in your temporary directory, in your temporary location. That's an important concept to re- to remember. And you might even want to, like early on, you might want to comment that for yourself. And I'm going to do a, a hash and say um, we are in slash temp. The reason that we're in slash temp is because a couple of lines above I said cd dollar sign tmp. It's line 14 on my script if you're following along. Of course, I haven't accounted for white space, so it might be a little bit off on yours. So cd uh, temp takes this shell script into slash TMP, or whatever temp is set to, which in my case is slash TMP. And then when it untars the package from current directory, that forces the output of that unarchive action to occur in my in the shell script's current directory, which is slash TMP. So the working directory has become slash TMP. It's hard to kind of keep that in mind sometimes because you're not doing this interactively. You're not doing this at a prompt. And if you were compiling this software yourself without a recipe, you probably wouldn't do it in slash TMP. That's just not how we generally work. There's no point to it, really. You might as well just do it in the current location. At least that's that's how I operate. Okay. So next there's this big, long permission block that seems to happen in all of the slack builds that I've ever seen. And it chones everything in your current directory to root. Now your current directory at this point is slash tmp slash your package name dash your version and so it is choning everything there to, uh, to, to be owned by root, and it, it, it resets certain permissions to other permissions, and it's just a nice clean way to make sure that everything is accessible and sort of sanitized. So I'm just copying and pasting that whole block, and I'm not going to read it out because it's quite long, but it starts with chown-r root colon root dot and then find dot and then it has a bunch of conditions that of, of things that it wants to find, and it, it chamods them to 755 or to 644, depending on what they started as. So that that's an important block to, to do for just sort of uh, keeping that environment clean, but it can be uh, a little bit daunting to look at. But I just copy and paste it because it is a useful thing to do. Okay, so that that exists. That's in my script now. And that happens in package-nam and version. If there is no package-nam-version directory, we exit, because we don't want to really run chown-r root colon root dot and find everything and change permissions unless we are definitely inside that directory. So that's an important principle to remember. When you're writing these recipes, You need to kind of keep in mind what's significant enough to really truly bail out of before you you have things running as root on your system. Just something to bear in mind. And again, the templates that exist, whether it's on slackbuilds.org or right here on slackware.com or the mirror thereof, the templates that exist tend to be very well written. So if you learn from them, they're 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 going to set you on the right path. Okay. So now now we really really are at the compile stage. I mean, like this is the real compile stage. I guess I guess the the setup I, I called it compile. It's 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 not really compiling. Let's call it um Let's call the first setup I, um I'm going to call it um system prep. That's when I made all the temporary directories and stuff. And then the untarring of the actual thing and the choning, that's the setup stage. And now I'm going to name this little section. I'm just doing this in comments for my own my own good. It's not, it, it isn't important. It's just to help me keep track of what what's going on. Um, so hash hash space build. This is the build section. Now, of course, I don't actually have anything to build. I, I made up the thing. So I'll, I guess I'll I'll do this backwards. I'm going to pretend like I'm installing this this thing, and uh, the, the way that I'll do that is I'll have to create a package that sort of meets these requirements. So in this case I've just got a hello world shell script, which again doesn't exist yet but pretend that, that, that it does. I got a hello world shell script and the, the end goal is for this shell script to be in slash user slash bin so that I can type in hello world at any moment in, in as I'm using my computer and I'll get a hello world message back. And so it just makes sense for that to be in user bin. So I'm not going to use a build system because that, that would be literally more code than the shell script itself. So that's not really worth it. If I were using a build system, however, this is where I would put it. I would put dot slash configure, and maybe there would be things that I would want to set. So I might say dot slash configure, for instance, dash dash prefix equals slash USR, because a lot of times things are auto set to go to user local, which I, I actually quite like, but Slackware, for whatever reason, or Slack builds, um, slackbuilds.org for whatever reason tends to put stuff into user. I I don't know why, and I keep meaning to experiment around. Like at some point, what if I put in put everything into user local? Uh, you know, all my third party things. Um, there are good reasons for that not to be important though, uh, such as tag files. So yeah, I'm I'm not sure how vital that is. But uh, anyway, Slackbuilds.org has kind of set the precedence. Dash dash prefix equals slash usr dash dash sysconfdir equals slash etc dash dash uh dir. that's an important one usually usr slash man because uh a lot of systems assume that your man directory is in user share but in slackware it's just in user man although there is a sim link in user share to, to user man, so it actually doesn't really matter, but I would still do it. And I think that's probably everything that you would need for a, for a. oh, no, libdir, what am I talking about? So dash dash libdir equals slash, well, I could do dollar sign, no, uh, slash usr slash lib64, and I think that would be everything for configure. And then, of course, I would do make, and then the really tricky bit is this line. It's make install, D-E-S-T-D-I-R, destdir, all in capitals, destdir equals dollar sign PKG. This is super important because what that tells the, the make application, the application that is make, that tells make to, yes, install everything that you have just made, but don't install it to where you want to install it, which is slash, the root directory. Don't do that. Instead, make the destination directory my my temporary package directory. Super important. Like, really, really important. Now again, I don't actually have all of that. I don't need all that stuff, because I don't have I'm not going to use a build system. So what I'm going to do for this special little hello world script, I'm just going to do a, a copy cp um, hello world dot sh and then dollar sign pkg slash usr slash bin slash hello world. So I've just copied my imaginary hello world.sh shell script to a location that is dollar sign package, so that's my temporary building location, or my my target location uh, slash usr slash bin slash hello world. Now the the problem there is that you uh, the dollar sign package usr bin those folders don't exist yet. So before I can do that, I'm going to do a make dir dollar sign pkg. Actually, make dir dash p dollar sign pkg user bin. And now the directory path leading up to hello world exists. Then I can copy hello world dot sh into user bin as just hello world. I don't want the dot sh on there. No one needs that. And then I probably also need to do a chmod plus X on dollar sign pkg user bin. Hello world. I need to do that because I do want the thing to be executable. And since Slackware packages are tarballs, the executable bit will survive the uh, transition from from the temporary build state to the actual package. So in, in this case, as you can see, my Slack build is highly customized. Because the build system isn't auto tools, which would be dot slash configure, make, make install. It's not, for instance, CMake, which would be make directory build, CD build, CMake dot dot, and then make, make install or whatever, what, dester equals. So th- there, and then, and it's not, for instance, Python uh, package. It's not a. Um, a Perl package or a Misan-style build system. So there there are lots of options for getting software onto a system and or rather compiling software. and, And the fact that there are so many different ones means that you do have to adapt your recipe at the most crucial point. Like, this is the recipe. This is the part of the recipe that really, really matters. And so that's the part that you really have to have figured out on your own, I think. I mean... That's that's why you're writing the recipe is is because you've you looked at the documentation in the source code, you figured out how what what steps it requires to be built, you've discovered the options it provides you uh during the build time, and then and then you could and then you can um you can adapt your, your recipe to follow those steps. So in other words, if I'd figured out how to do this, I would probably just look at my history in Bash and more or less, not literally copy and paste, but essentially copy and paste the steps that I took to make this work on my system into a build into this build script. Now, of course, again, you would still need all that setup and system prep stuff That we've been doing up until now. You know, the the definition of a package name, a definition of the version that we're building, a definition of the temporary directory and the temporary package build directory, and removing the old clutter that that happened when you first tried to run this and it didn't work, which may not even exist yet, and then untarring the package from the current directory to the temporary location, and then choning the the temporary files and so on. You'd still need all of that, but that's kind of boilerplate stuff. You don't really have to think about that so much as long as you're following a template. The build section, though, the, the part where it actually builds the software, that's the part that you, the author, that's where you get to, or where you're expected to, customize and adapt and make sure that what what happens repeatedly every single time someone runs this recipe ends up in a working and functional compiled software package well speaking of package that's the next step that we need to take so now that we've we've put something into our dollar sign package directory our little temporary our home now we need to package that up we need to make that a tidy little slackware package now there are admittedly in most slack builds a couple of other steps to take to ensure that all the documentation that was that that's um, included in the in in the source code also gets copied over. For instance, there are um there are that there's a license probably an open source license that you you really should copy into the package because um, that's something that someone may want to refer to at some point or or certainly they have the right to 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 read it so in that case you might do a copy cp and this i'm gonna i'm gonna actually comment this is the doc section doc section and then i might do something like cp dollar sign cwd remember that's no that's wrong uh copy dollar sign um where's our temporary directory here that would be Oh, we're, we're there already. We're in our temporary directory. So I can just do a copy license or what is it called? Copying sometimes, but we'll just call it license. And then we'll do it to PKG dollar sign user doc. Hello world. Hello world. And that's good enough, except of course, user doc doesn't exist in my package directory yet so again i'm going to do i'm going to step up one line i'm going to do mkdir make dash p dollar sign pkg slash usr slash doc now it exists and so then i can copy license to that location now of course i'm in the back of my mind I'm trying to remember okay now i have to deliver for myself hello world.sh and a license file in my package that i'm about to create um or', or in the in the source code that i'm about to create but anyway for now, we're now going to do a comment, comment, a package. So this is where we make the actual package. Um, so at this point, we're going to cd into the package, into our temporary package location, cd dollar sign pkg, and then run the command slash sbin slash make pkg dash ly dash cn. I have done that so many times that I have no idea what those actually mean. I usually put it in the order dash c n dash L Y. And the way I remember that is that it kind of looks, if you look at dash c n dash L Y, it kind of looks like the word only, except it's, it's actually not because there's a C there, but that's how I remember it. Either way, I'm going to really quickly look at the make package uh, documentation. So there's the dash L y means link add yes so if yes add symbolic links found in the install script that's doinst.sh so that actually doesn't really apply to us right now and then dash c is a chown command if yes make package resets all directory permissions to 755 and ownership to root root and we're saying no to that okay it's good to know And then uh, the location that we want to save this to is $tmp. So that's back in our temporary directory. And the name of this thing is going to be $packageName-$version-noarch-build, which you'll recall we set to one. And then $tag. Dot txz so i have not set a tag yet so i'm going to go back up to the top here and create a variable called tag and for that i am going to put underscore g w o i could call it any actually you know what i'm going to call it underscore clatu that's what i'm going to call it that's me, Clatio. underscore Clatio. You could call yours underscore whatever your name is or your username or some tag that you want to use. It doesn't matter. The point is that the tag gives you the opportunity to give a unique identifier to a package. Well, not, sorry, not a unique identifier, an identifier to a package. It It, it allows you to tag that package so that if you're looking through all of the packages installed on your system, you'll know that the ones tagged underscore clatu are packages that you got from clatu, while something tagged underscore SBO is something you got from slackbuilds.org, S-B-O. Something underscore, I don't know, R-L-W could be something that you downloaded from Robbie Workman, Robbie L. Workman. So the tags help you identify packages and the origin of packages, and a lot of the different tools in Slackware are aware of tags and are sort of programmed to give you the ability to operate only on packages with a specific tag. So that's that's a good thing to know about. And then .txz is a choice that I'm making. It could be a .tgz, could be tbz, txz. It's the the common designator for a Slackware package. Now, not every .tgz package or tbz or txz package uh, archive, I should say, is a Slack package. It just happens to be that Slack packages are either tgz, tbz, or txz. Okay, so that's a Slack build. You've just written a Slack build. I have no idea where I put that Slack build. Here it is. Okay, so I'm going to make a directory called hello world build, and then I'm going to move my hello world.slack build into that directory just to kind of keep things tidy. And then I'm gonna move into that directory myself. Now as I've said, as we were composing that slack build, I don't actually have the source code required for this thing to operate, so I'm going to make a directory. And call it hello world dash one dot zero dot zero. That should sound familiar. That's the package name dash version actually. So now I'm going to go into my my directory. I'm going to echo. Now this is a little bit tricky because there's some escaping that needs to happen. So it's it's echo forward uh, backslash hash backslash exclamation mark. These are there's no quotes here slash bin slash sh, and then redirect that into hello.sh. That that ensures that the hash and the exclamation mark are not processed by the shell. They're just echoed as characters into Hello World. Now I'm going to do an echo again, double quote, needs to be a double quote. Well, does it need to be a double quote? Let's do, well, it doesn't matter. Double quote uh, echo again single quote, hello world, close single quote, close double quote, redirect, redirect into hello world dot sh. Now if I cat hello world sh, I have hash exclamation point slash bin slash uh, sh and then echo quote, single quote, hello world, close single quote. If I try to execute that shell script, sh dot slash hello world dot sh, I get hello world back on the, back in my terminal. So that's, that's correct. That's working. So now I'm going to do a cat of um, a location on my, on a thumb drive, directory called every license, GPL, where's GPL, GNU underscore, uh, GNU, all, no, all, all permissive. There we go gnu underscore all permissive.txt I'm going to redirect that into license so I've just I've just chosen a permissive license gnu all permissive uh, which is essentially a, an MIT or bSD style license uh, into a file here in this directory called license because I know that we're going to copy that into the documentation directory in the shell in the slack build so now I've got my application package I've got it all figured out so I'm going to back out of that directory I'm going to tar dash dash create dash dash file hello world dash one dot zero dot zero dot I think I said it was a tar xz in the slack build and then I'm going to tell tar to use hello world dash one dot zero dot zero as the source and that seems to have worked yes I have a tar xz file in my current directory if I do a tar uh, Tvf, that's, uh, I don't know what T stands for, index list, I don't know. It, it looks into a into a, um archive without extracting it. Uh, .tar.xz, it tells me that yes, this is correct. I've got hello world dash version, hello world dot sh, license, and then some backup files that I forgot to get rid of because Emacs I have it set to create some hidden backup files, but that's fine in this case. Now, in theory, I should be able to run sudo sh space dot slash hello world dot slack build. Enter my password because it's going to be doing presumably root-related things. Apparently it wants me to enter my password correctly this time. There we go. And it's pretty quick because there's not a whole lot to this script, but it has just built the... The package. It's creating the slackware package slash temp slash hello world dash one dot zero dot zero dash no arch dash one underscore clatu dot txz. And from that point, of course, I could do a sudo install pkg on slash temp slash hello world dash one dash one dash, 1 dash no arch dash one underscore clatu dash d- dot txz. I do that and, uh, it tells me that it's installed the package. And to confirm that, of course, I could just execute the string, hello world. And there's hello world. Uh, and I can also do it less on slash var slash log slash packages slash hello world. And I get a list of all the files that are contained in that package. Now, in sort of real life, uh, if I were doing this a little bit nicer, I would have included a slack-desk description file, so I would see that as well at the top of var log packages, hello world. But I didn't do that because I'm just trying to get through this. So that's how easy it is to make a slack build. If you can build it, you can slack build it. And then you can share it with other people so that it's as easy for them as it ended up being for you it's a huge huge benefit to running slackware in my mind that everyone can be a packager. I think I think it's it's a, a valuable feature of slackware. I think it's something that you should take advantage of. If if you have built something and installed it on your system and it's not on slackbuilds.org, submit your script. Now, keep in mind slackbuilds.org does have uh they have expectations of following their template. I mean, there's obviously variation that's permitted, but they do like it to be mostly their template because that way anyone else can can help maintain and, and audit your script and make sure that it's doing what everyone expects it to do and that it does everything correctly. So so if you do it for slackbuilds.org, by all means, don't start from a blank file like I did. Start from a Slack build template. They, they have them written for m- several different make... Um, make uh systems like make and c make and meson and and a couple of other different ones so it's it's actually it it's easier than what we've just been through together here now what's also important about this is that you know the, the slack build kind of it, it that is just the scripted version of this process I, if 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 you want to build software for yourself And you don't feel like making a recipe for it. Maybe you, maybe I don't know, you don't want to have to be bothered to share the recipe. Or maybe you don't think anyone else would be interested. Or maybe it already is on slackbuilds.org, but you're not happy with the recipe that someone else has created. You happen to want to build something your way. You can maintain your own Slack builds, or you can just build it your way and then install it. So the make pkg command itself, the the, the 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 line at the very, very end of the Slack build, that's a powerful tool in itself. If you do a configure make make install dest dir equals some folder, then you can go into that folder and run the make pkg command and turn that temporary fake root into a package that easily. I've done that several times. Um, And and it's a great way to package things up on Slackware really quickly and instantly. And, And it kind of fits remarkably well into the compiling process. So if you don't necessarily want to have to write a whole Slack build script, that's fine. As long as you can compile it correctly on your system, just get it to install to a temporary fake root for a moment, and then go to the fake root and run make pkg dash ly path to the package that you want to, to create. Then do an install pkg on that package, and it's installed and recorded on your system, and so it's really, really easy to remove. Speaking of removing packages, I don't want the stupid hello world thing on my system, so I'm going to do sudo remove pkg slash no not slash uh hello world all one string of course i have to enter my password for that because that is a root operation i'm I'm removing a system package uh it it detects the package name from just the string that i gave it hello world and it removes hello world dash 1.0.0 dash blah and now it's off of my system clean there's no trace of it on my system. I mean there's obviously still the source code that I wrote in this directory but in terms of the install it's as if though it was never installed. I can type in the string hello world and I get nothing back. No such file or directory. Perfect. So there you go. That is building a that's how to write a slack build. It's one of the ways that you can help other people get more software on their slackware system and it's got a bunch of tricks in there that you can use to get more software on your slackware system. In future episodes, I will also cover SLPKG and SBOPKG. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. I think